Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We've been in a series called All In. Launched it last week and it's going to go for the next few weeks. And the series is centered around this verse that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's found in three of the four Gospels. So you know that it's a verse of a lot of importance. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, uh, Jesus is speaking to his followers, and he says this. He says, if anyone would come after me, and so what Jesus is doing is, is identifying the goal right now. He's saying, whose goal is it to come after me? If anyone would come after me, here's what you have to do. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This is a spiritual blueprint on how to follow God. I would almost even call it a formula, but I really believe God is so all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, universal, you can't boil him down to a formula, and yet Jesus does give us some very simple, practical steps here on what it looks like to follow him. If you wanna follow me, he says, here's the first thing you have to do. You're gonna have to deny yourself. The second thing is you're going to have to take up your cross every single day, and then you can begin to follow me. Jesus' call is to a lifestyle of self-denial, sacrifice, and submission. Self-denial, sacrifice, and submission. And I believe, um, I believe as you begin to follow some of these steps, you're going to grow spiritually. You're going to grow in your mind, your body, your maturity, your character, and you're going to begin to draw close to God. How many people is your goal to draw close to God in this next year? You want to know him more, be known by him? Well, I really do believe this series is going to help you. And uh, uh, I will say this. I'm, I'm glad to see everybody. Uh, I'm glad to see you all came to church, even though you knew I was going to be preaching on denying yourself. I'm proud of you. You're doing better than you think you are. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you God, that today your presence is here in our midst, Lord Jesus. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, come speak to us. God, I pray as I preach, may you speak to our spirits, to our minds, to our futures and our destiny. Our hope is found in you. So Holy Spirit, come right now. I pray for uh, no distractions, no other things going on, but we dedicate these next few moments to you. Come and, and have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. And amen. Jesus is, is proposing this radical concept of self-denial. It's God's radical challenge to a self-obsessed world. And as the world grows in innovation, and as we grow in wealth, and as we acquire more stuff and knowledge, and as the world is at our fingertips, this call to self-denial becomes all the more radical. In fact, the longer humanity goes on, the more difficult this statement is going to be, where Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Self-denial is a dedication of yourself to something higher than yourself, something greater than yourself, something more worthy than yourself. And, and, and I believe God's goal through all of this, is to draw you closer to him. His goal is not to make your life difficult. His goal is to not, not make things tough for you. His goal is to not keep you at, 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 at a, at a, in a place where you can never 
get close enough to him where, where you, you can never do enough or be enough or, 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 or be good enough. That, that's not God's goal. God's goal is to draw you close. Like a good father, he wants to spend time with his children. He wants to draw his children close. And, and we find Jesus premiering this concept at a place called Caesarea Philippi. And, and this place was known for its idolatry and its, and its, its worship of lesser gods. Um, when, I went to, uh, when I went to Israel, I, we were able to visit this place, and this is the very place where Jesus says, the gates of hell will not stop the forceful advancement of the church. But as he was saying this over his shoulder is a place called the gates of hell. There was a temple that was built, and into the rock on the side, they literally they, they carved giant gates and said, this is the entrance to the underworld. In this place, there was idolatry, and they worshipped all different kind of idols, and, and there was this cave that they would have human sacrifices and animal sacrifices in this cave. It was a wicked and hedonistic place. It was a place that was so evil that Jewish uh, people were not even allowed to go near it. It was a Gentile place run by the Romans, and, and, and it was a, a place of world worship of idols, of demonic gods. Jesus brings his disciples into the midst of this. By the way, Jesus always was never afraid to be light in dark places. He never avoided dark places. He walked into the middle of the dark places, yet his light never diminished. He brings his disciples into this place, and he asks them, who do you say that I am? Because see, here they're worshiping the god Pan and, and they're, they're sacrificing their children and they're worshiping Hades and darkness and there's on this cliff face, there's all different images of God and all the people are worshiping them by their names. Who do people say that I am? And some of the disciples said, well, you know, some say you're John the Baptist. Some, some say you're Elijah. And, and, and Jesus said, what do you guys think? And this is where Peter comes with this incredible revelation where he says, I know who you are. You are the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. God in the flesh, incarnated to take our sin away. I know who you are. What a statement. What a statement. He was declaring what he knew to be deeply true about Jesus. He spent three and a half years with him up to this point. It is from this place that Jesus is going to leave to go embrace his cross. This is a pivotal moment where Jesus is saying, are you ready to acknowledge me for who I am. And Peter steps up, says, I know who you are. You are the only one worthy of my life because you are the creator of life. And then Jesus gives this incredible statement that we've been studying. He says, okay, and, and understand, he's saying it on the basis of, okay, you're saying I'm God. You're saying I'm the almighty. You're saying I'm the worthy one. You're saying none of these idols are worthy of worship. You're saying these idols are all dead, but I'm the living son of God. I'm it then this is what you have to do. If you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, if you want to worship me, if you want to know me, if you want to draw close to me, this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross. And you're going to have to follow me. He says this knowing he's on the journey to taking up his literal cross the method of, as, of execution, Jesus never asked you to do something he did not first do himself. Jesus says, if, am I God? All right, then there's something you're going to need to do. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to engage in this spiritual discipline. If you want to follow me, if you want to be like me, you're going to have to deny yourself. What Jesus is doing is he's, 
He's essentially representing the first commandment. When Moses met God face to face, and when Moses had the same revelation that Peter had of who God is, what did God do? He gave him the 10 commandments. Do you know what the first commandment is? It says, I am the Lord thy God. You will have no other gods before me. Jesus is standing in the middle of the world's worship and saying, again, I am the Lord your God. You will have no other gods before me. What's incredible about this is that, is that with Moses, he comes down the mountain holding the laws to give it to the people to say, now we must follow the law. We must keep these commandments. But Jesus is saying, I am God in the flesh. Now you don't follow rules. Come on, you follow me. Now it's not about law, it's about life. Now, now it's not about what I don't do. Now it's about who I'm becoming, who I'm following. He says, I'm God. I'm representing the law. So Jesus is saying, essentially, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. I am the new law. I am the Lord thy God. And, and, and you should have no other gods, no other idols, no other lifestyles, no other choices, no other things before and above me. And, and, and why, why God had to do this with Moses and with Jesus is, listen, because God understands our capacity to worship the unworthy. It's unbelievable. And, and, and in fact, by the time Moses gets the law, he's about 40 steps down the mountain and he looks and they're already worshiping a golden calf. And he's like, are you for real? And he throws the law down, which I always would judge Moses. But now after I've led people for some time, I'm throwing stuff all over the place. No, I'm kidding. It's an honor. It's the easiest thing. It's the best. God bless it. It's amazing to see he's so frustrated, right? And then the next time God says, you're going to write your own commandments then. I'm not doing it with my own finger. You're going to work for this thing. But, but, but we, see, we see this reaction. We see this reaction of Moses to, because the people's worship was the things that were so unworthy. God knew we were going to worship unworthy. And you might, you might say, well, look, look, I don't worship a golden calf. And, and I, don't have, I don't have an altar in my backyard. No, no, you just park, you park your idol in your garage. Your idol is on your mantle. Your idol is hanging in front of your couch. You look at your idol in the mirror every day. Don't think you're so advanced that you're not worshiping unworthy things. Your idol can be measured and you check it seven times a day on bankofamerica.com. Jesus is saying, you no longer can follow, go after, be obsessed with, consume with, thinking about, hoping about, praying about these things that are lifeless, they're dead, and they cannot save you. But Jesus says, I'm here, I'm in the flesh, and now you can commune with me, you can interact with me, you can live like me, you can become to know me, you can follow me. What an invitation. But Jesus adds a caveat here, he says, but first, if you want me, you have to deny you. Because you cannot have yourself, be in love with yourself, obsessed with yourself, and follow Jesus at the same time. Jesus is going to walk a path you wouldn't walk. Jesus is going to cause you to do things you naturally wouldn't do. The first step to following Jesus, the starting step to following Jesus, is the step of self-denial. And see, that's not what we think modern religion really is. Modern religion to us is what can I get from God? Oh, we love the blessings. Let's sing about the blessings. Let's talk about the blessings. Let's preach about the blessings. If I want to grow the church, I'm going to do seven series on the blessings. And there are blessings. Because by the way, 
By the end of this chapter, not even, just a few verses later, Jesus says, by the way, if you're trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. There's, there is a reward. But the reward is not on earth. It's in Christ. It's not temporary. It's eternal. It's eternal. Modern religion, if we're not careful, can become all about me. What was my experience? What did I feel during worship? What did I think about the sermon? What do I get from that church? How am I being fed? When Jesus doesn't start there. He doesn't say, I'm God. Are you ready to be blessed, people? You have DJ in the background. Bow, 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 bow. What's up? That's not what he does. Jesus says, I'm God. Are you ready to deny yourself? Are you ready to give up yourself? Are you ready to acknowledge that the primary thing holding you back from following me is you. Are you ready to crucify your flesh? Put it to death. No longer flirt with it. No longer be in relationship with it. No longer be involved with it. He's saying, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to stop being consumed with you? And that, so, so Jesus gives us this instruction. To do this, you're going to have to deny yourself. What I think is interesting about that is it's kind of a strange concept. Jesus is saying you're going to have to say no to you. You know, I think we just take that, but he's saying, you're going to have to say no to you. In other words, it seems like there's almost two yous, and they're fighting each other, vying for power. And one of them wants God, and the other one does not. And he's saying, there needs to be a part of you that says no to another part of you. Because we like to think we're just ourselves. We're just, you know, whatever I do is what I do, but that's not true. Come on, you know, you're complicated. Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I don't end up doing. Can someone please help me? Jordan's version, paraphrased. <laughs> you understand you're complicated. You understand there's a lot of levels to this thing. And so Jesus is speaking to the part of you that desires him, saying that, that is the side that you need to strengthen, and the side you need to weaken is the side that wants, wants to follow your flesh and, and yourself. Here comes the concept of self-denial, which it's pretty amazing because as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, is Jesus saying that I'm the problem? Am I the problem? Am I my problem? I thought it was my spouse. I thought it was my boss. I thought it was my politics. I thought it was my government. I, I thought it was my bank account. I thought it was my... But Jesus is, I think, really bringing us to the true... Come on, the true source the spring of the problem, it's you. It's you. Just acknowledge it. I'm telling you, it's easier this way. It's easier to acknowledge that my sole problem is myself. I have to, in order to self-deny, I, I, I have to give up the, the dessert of excuses. I have to give up the dessert of blaming others. Or, or my past, or my situation, or the things that you don't understand. And, it, and it's like, you know what? No one will ever understand. It's not to get people to understand. It's to be honest with yourself. I know. I know. I need help. And my greatest enemy is not my haters. My greatest enemy is not the people I'm arguing with all the time. My greatest enemy is not even the things that are attacking me. Everyone says, say no to the devil. Say no to the devil resist the devil. Jesus is saying, say no to you. Think about it. The world says, assert yourself. The world says, embrace yourself. The world says, promote yourself. The world says, love yourself. 
The world says, be yourself. Jesus says, deny yourself. You got something wrong in you that you need to give to me. It's incredible, this statement that Jesus is saying to you and I. And it's the, the first step. What Jesus is speaking about is the concept that there are two natures in you. There is the flesh nature and there is the spirit nature. And you might call the flesh nature your, your worldly nature. You might call it your old self. You might call it your sinful nature. In psychology, Jungian philosophy, he'll call it the shadow self. It's the animalistic self. It's the self that wants to tear down civilization. It's, it's the self that, that wants to go off instinct. You know you've got a self that if you just let it go, it will end up destroying you. That is the sinful, animalistic, uh, lesser self. But you have another nature. When you've come to Christ, you have received a brand new spirit. Jesus says, I make all things become new. And that concept includes the concept of renewal. Listen, you get saved in a moment. Saved in a moment. When you pray a prayer, you confess Jesus as your Lord, you are saved, secured. But you get sanctified over a lifetime. You get processed over a lifetime. You know, I, uh, my youth pastor used to say, Lord, save me all over again. It's not technically doctrinally correct, but I know what he's saying. I need to be saved every morning. I need to be changed every afternoon. I need to be forgiven every night. I need to be sanctified. That's my spirit nature. And so, and so Jesus is, 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 is showing you that you've got two natures and one of them has to say no to the other. That means one of them's got to be stronger than the other. You've got your spirit nature and it's always at war. It's always facing, it's always in opposition with your flesh nature, with the things that you want to do, with your reactions and your emotions and your feelings and your vibes. But over here, I can hear the Holy Spirit. I can feel self-discipline, spiritual discipline, change that's coming. And these, th these two things are always fighting. There, there's an old story of a, of a missionary that, that went to a, uh, a tribal chief in Native America and ministered to him and he got saved. Many months later, he came back and he asked him how the journey of following Jesus is and, and how is he doing? He says, I feel like I've got two wolves on the inside and one is always fighting the other and one is always winning. And, and, and uh, the missionary said, well, well, which one wins? He says, whichever one I choose to feed more. Whichever one I starve and I deny gets weaker. Whichever one I feed and I care for get stronger. You've got a spirit nature and a flesh nature. You've got a, a, a saved nature and a sin nature. Look at this verse in Galatians, Paul. It says, for the desires of the flesh, because this nature has desires. In fact, one of the translations that I was going to use says the cravings of the flesh. This is where you see where fasting comes into play. The cravings of the flesh. You know those cravings this week, don't you? No, because you're not fasting hard enough. You're not. The desires of the flesh, that animalistic nature, that sinful nature, it's got very strong cravings, and they are against the spirit. Here's what the enemy tries to come in. He tries to just say, hey, it's just natural. Hey, it's no big deal. Hey, it's not, it's not. Did God really say? He says the same thing to us that he said to Eve in the garden. It's just, look, it's just, it's just being human. It's just, no, no. The cravings in the flesh 
are anti-Christ. You know, everyone's so scared of the anti-Christ in Revelation. Do you know that you have a spirit of anti-Christ that can get a hold in you? I got to deny that thing. That flesh is anti-Christ. That sin is anti-Christ. Those habits are anti-Christ. And there's no way I'm going to have an anti-Christness in me. That might have freaked you out a little bit, but I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I'm not calling you the anti-Christ. I'm just saying that there is a spirit in you that is not for God. Or there is a nature in you that is not for God. Maybe not spirit. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you know you really want to do. In your heart of hearts, when you are saved, when you met Jesus, this want to do, it changes from the flesh to the spirit. You, you change. There's something in me. I want to know Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And yet there's this flesh like a magnet. It, it's like a, a, a pit bull that has gotten locked jaw on yourself that keeps dragging you back to your old self. And, and listen, you want a miracle to just be free from these desires. You just want to pray 21 days fast and I'll just be free. But I'm here to tell you, it will be a war. It will always be opposition. So I have to continually choose to deny and pursue Christ. See what Jesus is saying here? I'm telling you, it's so brilliant. It's so simple, but it, it, it's life changing. Here's the problem. What comes naturally to me, what comes naturally to you is not good for you. What comes naturally to you is not the pursuit of Christ. Come on, you gotta be honest. Therefore, there has to be something else that I begin to grow, that I begin to work on, that I begin to follow, that begins to gain strength over what just comes instinctually. Think of, think of the time when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was going to be betrayed by Judas Iscariot. He was praying. And, and do you remember what he was, he was praying? He was asking God, if there's another way, please let there be another way. But then he follows it up by saying this, but not my will, not my will, but yours be done. Listen, that's the prayer of self-denial. That's the prayer of self-denial. And by the way, when, he, when the disciples asked Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray, because they knew Jesus knew how to pray in a way they didn't know how to pray. Jesus teaches them the, the Our Father prayer. The Our Father, but at the end of the prayer of, of Our Father, he says, but not my will, yours be done. He's, he's, he's saying this isn't just a prayer I pray, this is a prayer you need to pray. At the end, God, I need to continually pray, not this nature, but this nature. Jesus gets up and he finds the disciples, and you remember what they were doing? Yeah, sleep, sleep. I love that we called our church Awakening Church because it's like we're, we're, we're never going to be caught here. You need to wake the heck up. I always judge the disciples for sleeping, you know. I always judge them. But after getting up at 6 a.m. all week, I don't judge them anymore. I get it. I get it. I'm growing in grace. He finds the disciples sleeping. and He says, can you guys please just pray for me one hour? But see, they didn't understand what hour it was. They didn't understand the importance of this hour. Listen, they didn't activate their, uh, their, their self-denial. They didn't activate their self-denial, so they kept sleeping. So Jesus is so consumed with anxiety, he's sweating blood, but because the disciples didn't realize the importance of the moment, they didn't activate their self-denial, which means they left Jesus to go through this moment of loan. And of course he had to go through it alone, because really, no one but Jesus could have gone through this. And, and so... 
The disciples slept, but we're the ones who sleep. And is Jesus the one that comes and awakens us? Is Jesus the one that, that comes and calls us to prayer? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, right now is not the time to indulge yourself. Now is the time to step in. Now is the time to lean in. I'm here to tell you, this year is not the year for sleeping. Now is the year to lean in. Now is the year to deny yourself. Now is the year to go towards something. Now is the year to partner with God. Now is the year to believe big things. Now's the year to understand the importance of the moment. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to call myself to prayer. And this is what Jesus says to the disciples. He says, be aware, be aware, because the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Spirit's willing. Man, I love to pray. I'm all about prayer. When you preach about prayer, I'm going to say amen. But the flesh, it's, it, I don't got enough strength to actually make it to prayer. I don't got enough strength to actually build these disciplines in. I'm here to tell you, it's a lie from the pit of hell that you can't. You can't. You can't. In fact, I, I, I've got good news for you. I've got really good news for you. Because at this point, I can tell you're feeling a little down. You're feeling a little bit like, man, this is not me. I got good news for you. Spiritual disciplines. I've got good news for you. Spiritual disciplines. Fasting. Prayer. Reading the word of God. Self-denial, it's a growth process. It's a growth process. You are not going to get this from one sermon, one series, one time of fasting and prayer. You're not going to get this from one prayer or one moment or one revelation or one experience. This is a lifestyle of growth. Jesus comes and they're sleeping. And he says, guys, can you please pray with me? But they couldn't. But listen, there were times from that moment all throughout when they were praying all night. They were preaching all night. They were saving people. They were traveling far distances. They became martyrs. They endured horrific things. Why? Because they grew in this area of self-denial. You can grow in this area of self-denial. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 I, 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 want to, I want to give you a couple different keys of um, some strategies on how to grow in this area of self-denial. I, I really don't I want to make it simple. I want to make it practical. I want to make it practical because hear me, hear me. Self-denial in the, in the process of following Jesus. You, you can't make it like, like, you know, you ever work out once a month? You know what I'm saying? You just go so hard and at, and at the end you're like, oh, you know, and then no, you know, nothing, nothing changed. Zero, zero changed. It only made things worse. You know what I'm saying? That sometimes we approach God like that. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. And we come and we don't, we don't feel any better. Listen, self-denial is grown through simple consistency. Simple consistency. Listen, if you really want to see results when you're working out, you have to consistently, consistently overcome the resistance against your body. And the more you overcome that resistance, the easier it becomes to overcome that resistance. Then you have to add more weight because you need more resistance because you're ready to overcome. It's the same thing spiritually. It's not one giant moment I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lifestyle of self-denial, consistently making these decisions in the, in the, in the everyday that will begin I'm telling you, it will be difficult at first, but by the end, you will be able to overcome things you thought you would never be able to overcome except for a miracle. Can I, can I, can I challenge you? Do not pray for a miracle where a self-discipline will bring change. All right? Okay, here's, here's four strategies for self-denial. I really believe that this is going to help you. Four, four aspects. Number one, number one, I want to talk to you about surrender. Surrender. Because here, hear me, if, 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 if you hear this sermon and you think I'm just saying don't do, be better. What's wrong with you? Come on, get your willpower. Willpower will never carry you to Jesus. 
I am not talking to you about willpower. Here's the dirty little secret about willpower. The more you say no, 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 the greater the thing becomes until eventually it just blows up. I'm not talking about just say no. I'm saying take that thing that you are struggling with in your life, in yourself, take it and bring it to Jesus. First things first, you have to surrender that area of your life that is killing you. It's sapping your strength. It's making you feel condemned. It's holding you back. This thing is not your friend. Even if it's desirable for a little bit, in the end, this thing is strangling you. And you are not gonna be able to just conquer this thing. You are going to need to partner with Jesus. What does that look like? It looks like taking that thing and surrendering it, which means, number one, you need to name that thing. You need to face that thing. Listen, you can never overcome something you're always constantly gonna avoid. You need to face that thing. This is what I'm dealing with. Because see, self-denial looks different for you than me. But we all have something we're going to have to say no to. What is it for you? What is the thing the Holy Spirit's saying? It's enough of that now. It's enough of that now. It's enough of that action. It's enough of that reaction. It's enough of that cycle. It's enough of that habit. This is what it is. The Holy Spirit's so faithful. He will always put his finger on it. Always put his finger on it. And the only way to avoid that is to avoid the Holy Spirit. So you got to stop praying. you got to stop going to church. you got to isolate yourself. you got to stay in a state of avoidance. Because anytime you come over to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, give this thing to me now. Give this thing to me now. Come on, isn't this true? Isn't this true? I'm not saying to don't do. I'm saying to surrender, which means you need to face it. You need to acknowledge it. You need to name it. This is the area of me that is still, can I say this? And I'm preaching over today. Let's go. <laughs> I got to... I got a whole nother sermon to preach. I I just really want you to get this. I want you to get this. Any hidden thing, any hidden thing is, is, is unsurrendered to Christ, which means, which means it's in darkness. And the authority over darkness is the enemy. Satan is the prince of darkness. So when you hide this thing, you might have areas in your life that not only are not surrendered to Jesus, They're surrendered to Satan. You need to uncover that thing. You need to bring it into the light and say, Jesus, even if it takes me 10 years, I need your help to surrender this lifestyle, to surrender this mindset, to surrender this addiction, to surrender this action. I need your help to grow in this area, to overcome in this area. Here's what it is. I can't do it on my own. I've tried, but I need, to get, I need to get some books. I need to get some accountability partners. I need to get into a crew. I need to get into a course. I need to do some actions. Spiritual disciplines requires action. Listen, I, I hope you get a miracle, but even if you don't give, a, even if God doesn't give you a miracle, the fact that you're alive and in this church is a miracle. Build off that foundation. God's brought you to the right place around right people for you to surrender this thing to him. Can you say amen, church? What did David say? He said, search my heart, Lord. Find anything that's unsurrendered in it. Let me know about it, and I'll surrender it to you. Another strategy to help you in this process of self-denial is you need to make some pre-decisions. Establish your actions so that you are not ruled by your reactions. You need to establish your actions before you get into the situation, before you get into the circumstance, so that you are not ruled by your reaction to the circumstance. Pre-decisions I'm telling you, they're so powerful, they'll change your life. Like if you want to go to the gym in the morning, the first thing you need to do is lay out your clothes for the next day and lay out or wear the clothes you're going to go to the gym so that you can roll out of bed and walk your way to the gym. What's that? That's a pre-decision. And you don't even have to say, I'm going to go to the gym. You just have to say, I'm going to go get out of bed and I'm going to walk to my car. 
pick up the bag and go. That's a predecision. Why? You have established a pattern of action before the situation presents itself. One of the major problems of our society right now is that we're living off of reaction. We're living off of emotion. We're living off of circumstances that are out of control. So we're always late to stuff and we can't control our time and we're always frustrated and we're filled with anxiety. But because we have never made some decisions that would establish our actions in the day. There should have been more amens there. That was your moment. Listen, Jonathan Edwards, the great American preacher, he made over 60 resolutions in his life. Over 60 resolutions. And he would write resolved. And he would write what he is resolved to do. And, And what was he doing? He was creating a framework for him to be successful in the life that he wanted to have. Listen, if you have no resolutions, you've got no framework. You don't know if you're doing good or bad. You're floating out in space. In randomness and chaos and disorder, you need to write, speak some things into existence, write them down, make some decisions. Jonathan Edwards made resolutions on his time, time management. He made res- resolutions on good works. He made resolutions on how he was going to suffer in life. He made resolutions on his, on his life mission. He made resolutions on prayer. He made resolutions on all these different categories because he wanted to create a life, not just randomly tumble through a life. Maybe you don't need 60, but start with one. What are some predecisions that you can make? There's some places I'm not going to go. There's some things I'm not going to do. Hey, listen, there's some words I'm not going to say. You need to write some stuff down. I am not going to say this over myself. And I don't know much about affirmations. To be honest, I haven't gotten there yet in life where you speak things over yourself. But I do think it's very powerful if you, instead of saying, I'm always late, I'm such an idiot, I can't believe, if instead you said, I'm, I'm going to be early. <laughs> I'm going to keep learning. I can do this. You need to change how you speak to yourself because it's going to predetermine how you live your life. Can you say Amen. 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 All right, here's two more. Uh, uh, You need to establish some routines. I'm I'm not going to go long on this, but listen, what you do every day, what you do every day is more important than than what you do once in a while. In fact, what you do every day is more effective than what you do once randomly in a while. What do you do consistently? What have you established? Can I ask you, do you have a morning routine? Or is it snooze, snooze, snooze? whatever's next. Do you have a morning routine? Write it down, even if you're not good at it. Even if you only hit it one day out of the week, that's one day better than last week. Do you have an afternoon routine? Do you have an evening routine? Let me ask you this. Do you have a prayer routine? A lot of times we don't pray, not because we don't want to pray, but we simply don't know how to pray. And and, and through the next two weeks, I'm going to teach you some prayer methods on on these prayer nights so that it's going to be a routine. So you're going to be able to walk yourself through prayer for five minutes, 10 minutes, do you, have, do you have a routine on how you're going to read the Bible? I'm going to start here. Maybe you get a daily Bible reading on the prayer app. And yeah, you're 32 days behind, but at least you've read 17 days. You, you understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of grace in this because you're human. And you're not just going to all, one day be incredible at self-denial. You've got to grow in this process. You've got you to establish some routines of self-denial. Um, and and, and one, of the, one of the great routines of self-denial is, and I'm going to finish on this, is, is the spiritual discipline of fasting. And... and and I, I think it's so powerful that we're starting the year off with this spiritual discipline. And I just want to speak to you about it just, just for the next few moments here. Um, fasting is a, it's a discipline of self-denial. You know what's interesting about fasting? It's a, it's a physical action that's connected and linked to the spirit world. 
It's a physical thing you can do that has ramifications in the spirit world. You know what's interesting about fasting? Do you know that in the Bible, many times when people fasted, at the end of their fast, angels came and ministered to them. When Daniel fasted, an angel had a breakthrough over the nation. When Elijah fasted, an angel came and provided him spiritual food and water that was supernatural. When Jesus fasted for 40 days, he, Satan came and he withstood temptation. Why could he withstand the flesh? Because this fasting was making his spirit stronger. And, 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 and at the end, angels came and ministered to Jesus. I don't understand how that works, but I understand that's how powerful fasting is, that it unlocks things in the supernatural, that it changes things. And, and I even believe as you fast the physical food, you're getting spiritual food that you might not even understand. It's changing you. And by the way, fasting is one of the few things that you can do on earth that you won't be able to do in heaven. Because when you're in heaven, you receive a glorified body. The goal of fasting is to draw close to Jesus, and in heaven, you're close to Jesus. Did you know that? It's interesting. The Pharisees came, came to Jesus once, and they started complaining, as they usually do. And they said, Jesus, why, why are none of your disciples fasting? We're fasting. And John the Baptist guys, they're fasting. The disciples prided themselves on their ability to fast. So they come to Jesus saying, why don't they fast? And Jesus says, you don't fast during a wedding feast. This is the bachelor party. Jesus says, I'm here. So it's time to feast. He says, but when I'm gone, they're going to fast. Why? Because the point of fasting is to draw close to Jesus. And that's what all these spiritual disciplines are. See, when I deny myself, it's not just because I'm bad. No, I want to draw close to Jesus who's better, who's greater. When, when I fast, I, I engage my ability to have maturity. Some of you really need this. You grow your character. You grow your, super, your supernatural strength. When I, when, I, when I drive my son, you know, to school or whatever, he, um, he believes that every single Dunkin' Donuts we see, we're supposed to stop at. It's just one of his core beliefs. I don't know how he got this, but I think it was my mom which is the same woman that never let me have a McDonald's Happy Meal until I was too old to have it, 12, 13. I don't, know, I don't know what changed. I don't know what's going on. But when he goes to Gigi's, there are no rules. And there is lots of sugar, you know. I asked my mom, did you give him, to sugar? Did you get, did you give him sugar on the phone? And she goes, no, 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 no. We just gave him, you know, a little bit of milk. Then I hung up, and Judah, my son, was in the back, and he goes, what did you give me? Because they gave him chocolate milk. And she said, just milk. And he goes, what is it? And it's like holding my mom accountable. <laughs> Crazy. It's an upside down world, people. My son just has this belief that when we, we see Dunkin' Donuts, obviously we go to Dunkin' Donuts and we get munchkins and we get chocolate glazed donuts and we get sprinkled donuts. And can you tell I'm fasting? <laughs> so I have to tell my son, no, we're not going to Dunkin' Donuts. I know it's called Dunkin' now. Give, give it a break. Give me 10 years. I'll change I'm not going to Dunkin' Donuts. And I, I have to tell him. And then we see another one. Oh, that's the one we're supposed to go to. No, we're not going. Judah, we're not going to Dunkin' Donuts, you know. And it's a fresh conversation, every single one we passed, which in New England is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> Can you imagine if it wasn't my son that acted that way, but it was me? Every Dunkin' Donuts I see, Samantha, come on, let's go. Let's get some more donuts. Go another half a mile. Come on. 
It's a sign from God. Can you believe it? It's another one. What is totally acceptable in my son is not at all acceptable in me. Why? Because, because at his age, there's a lack of maturity, you know? But if at my age, I still had the same maturity that he has at four, there, would be, there wouldn't be a correlation to my age and maturity. The goal would be, right, that my age would begin to align with my maturity. That, that at my age, I, I'm, I'm able to say no to the desirable because in the end, it's not beneficial. You know? But here's the problem. If you do not learn this beautiful discipline of self-denial, you could be 40 with the maturity of four. If you're not careful, you can live your whole life not understanding why circumstances are totally in control, but it's because you have never mastered thyself. But listen, if you're able to control your body, you're going to be able to lead other people. But if you cannot lead yourself, you'll never be able to lead anybody. I feel like God gives us marriage. He gives us kids in order to teach us self-discipline, teach us self-denial. Fasting is where you say no to the desirable because I want to mature in the beneficial. I'm saying no to the things that look good and taste good because I know in the end too much of that is going to overwhelm me. It's going to make me unhealthy. It's going to kill me. So I'm fasting that. I'm moving away from that and I'm coming over into the spirit self and saying, Lord, make me healthy, grow me stronger, purify my body, purify my mind, purify my actions, purify my heart. That's what fasting does. I want you to know fasting is not legalism. They fasted in the Old Testament and they fasted in the New Testament. And, 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 and I would challenge you to do a fast and, and don't let the excuses of, well, I've got a job or I've got a blah, 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 or, you know, or, or, or I've got health. Fast in some way. In the next few weeks, I'll talk to you about different fasts, but fast something. And fast something that hurts. Why? Because I'm going to grow in maturity. I'm going to grow in character. I'm going to grow in discipline. I'm going to grow in self-denial. Why? Why? Because I want to get closer to Jesus. Can you say amen, church? Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.